My name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what? We'll be revisiting a forum that I read uh, over a year ago called TeaPartyNation.com. And Tea Party Nation, as you may have guessed, is a website devoted to the discussion of Tea Party topics. Now, Tea Party topics, if you've been paying attention for the last couple of years, very anti-taxes, very anti-government, very, very anti-democrat, and not anti-GOP or Republicans, but just sort of disappointed in GOP and Republicans, sort of always scolding them, but never, you know, saying they're not going to vote for them. Anyway, um, we're just going to revisit some of these topics because, for the most part, this site is the main author of the site, whose name is uh, Judson Phillips. He's one of the main uh, discussion posters. It's mostly Judson Phillips posting his opinions about things and then the discussions that happen afterwards. So it's it's more of posts and discussion instead of forum topics, so to speak. But you know what I'm saying. So we're just going to jump right in. There's not really much to discuss with the Tea Party as far as what it's about. It's a U.S. political thingy, and that's what we're going to read about. So let's jump right in with the first post by Judson Phillips, posted June 25th, 2012, in a post he made entitled, The Left's War on Fiscal Sanity. And it goes like this. When it comes to liberals, there is no middle ground. They do not simply have a policy disagreement on what we do with our money. They are in active warfare against anyone who offers even a breath of sanity. The left has now picked out a new target in its war on fiscal sanity. What is it? Who and what would be a better question? The who is Grover Norquist. The what is his new no-taxes pledge. Norquist heads Americans for Tax Reform. His pledge has been around since the 80s. It is a simple pledge that says the signer agrees not to raise taxes and not to close loopholes in the tax code unless there are offsetting spending cuts. What could be wrong with that? The left is obsessed with raising everyone's taxes. Recently, in France, a left-wing party proposed a 100% tax rate above a certain income. The left is in love with taxes and raising taxes. It is almost an insane compulsion with them. We We saw the first shots in this war in the Republican debates last year. The question was asked of Republicans, would you agree to tax increases if they were part of a package that included spending cuts? The question was asked repeatedly of the Republicans, would you agree to a package that included tax increases if 90% of the package were spending cuts? The Republicans all wisely took a pass on that proposal. Grover Norquist has been promoting his tax pledge for 25 years. Democrats see it as the major stumbling block, keeping many squishy Republicans from agreeing to tax hikes. They have tried to get him to release Republicans from the pledge, and the Democrats have been trying to demonize him for the pledge. Ben Nelson of the infamous, quote-unquote, Corn Husker kickback, attacked the pledge yesterday. Nelson is one of the most worthless members of the United States Senate in the nation's history. Call the pledge a trap for higher deficits. We all know Nelson's... (laughs) We all know Nelson's IQ floats in the negative range, but perhaps even a dim bulb such as him could figure out that if you spend more than you bring in, you will have deficits. The left has launched an all-out, coordinated media war against the pledge. They hope they can pressure squishy Republicans into abandoning the pledge. Democrats want Republicans to abandon the pledge, and for a good reason. The last time a Republican abandoned a no-new-taxes pledge, it was George H.W. Bush, and we know how that one ended. 
Americans should demand that their congressmen and senators abide by the No New Taxes Pledge even if they have not signed it. Why? It is simple. Look at the track record of Washington. The politicians in Washington cannot control themselves. They are worse than the real housewives of Beverly Hills. They spend and spend and spend. It does not matter to them because they do not have to pay for it. If we have the great package many in the left want us to have, the result will be taxes will be raised and spending will not be cut. Last year, despite the clear will of the people that spending be cut, spending actually went up by 3%. Our government is out of control. We have leaders who lack the courage to do what must be done, namely cutting spending and bringing government back to the limited function our founding fathers envisioned. New taxes will only make a bad problem worse. Spending is the issue. Our elected officials are the problem. And the discussion begins. And Joseph DeLuna adds, The need to reduce the government spending and reduce the taxes is paramount. Also, the need to remove the DOE, EPA, and all government agencies that slow and hamper economic growth must be done. There is a lot of work to be done. And Joseph Butman writes, The ability to tax is the ability to control. The left are control freaks who would never voluntarily give up such power. And Steve Johnson adds, I love the way they are now calling it, quote-unquote, austerity, instead of, quote-unquote, cutting government spending. The only way we will ever rid ourselves of social... Hello, what's up? Um, can, you, can you borrow the connector to projector? Sure. The only way we will ever rid ourselves of socialism and overspending will be when we phase out all entitlements, especially Social Security and Medicare. These programs are an insult to America and all free people. And Deborah Jo Smith Beatty writes, Thanks for the article, but the GOP is just as bad. And Vern Shotwell writes, Just as bad? No, they continue to remain a slightly lighter shade of gray overall. And JPS writes, Yes, absolutely. Because too many embedded rhinos, which stands for Republican in name only, that are in bed with and prostituting themselves for the Democrats. And Ralph Rashto adds, One, Freeze spending. Two, no pardons for the outgoing administration, especially the president. Three, seal the southern border. Four, prepare for war. This means war both physical and philosophical. Five, http constitutionalawareness.org slash genwealth.html. Six, pray. And finally, John Belair adds, I do not believe liberals make war against fiscal sanity. They simply have no comprehension of what fiscal sanity means. They just do not want to admit that anyone else has a good idea while they have none themselves. Stamping out all intelligence and sanity, attacking anyone who has a common sense plan is the best way, probably the only way they have to defend their own ineptness and stupidity, and to pretend that they know what they're doing. So, fair and balanced. And we'll go from that post to another Judson Phillips master post, entitled... The crushing despair of buyer's remorse. And it goes like this. Occasionally, a miracle occurs. A friend of yours wins the lottery. The Chicago Cubs win the World Series sometime in the next hundred years. A miracle may be happening in the Republican Party. The light may be finally coming on. Could the GOP finally realize there is a problem? 
John Boehner, of all people, actually came out and said it from Roll Call. But a June 30 fundraiser in Wheeling, West Virginia, Speaker John Boehner offered a surprisingly frank assessment of the dynamic that surprised some in the audience. Aside from Romney's friends, relatives, and fellow Mormons, Boehner said, most people will be motivated to vote for him in opposition to Obama. The Ohio Republican made the remarks when an unidentified woman asked during a question and answer session, quote unquote, can you make me love Mitt Romney? No, Boner said. Listen, we're just politicians. I wasn't elected to play God. The American people aren't going to fall in love with Mitt Romney. I tell you this. 95% of the people that show up to vote in November are going to show up in that voting booth, and they are going to vote against Barack Obama. Holy cow. Boehner is actually showing some intelligence. The problem here is that he is right. The Republican Party is poised to nominate someone who fits right into the tradition of bad Republican presidential candidates. Honestly, who the hell likes Mitt Romney? Is anyone other than his immediate family passionate about <laughs> Is anyone other than his immediate family passionate about his candidacy? When Rick Perry and Newt Gingrich endorsed Romney, they both said the same thing. He isn't Barack Obama. Their endorsements were not that he would make a fantastic president. Their endorsements were not that he would change America for the better. It's just he isn't Barack Obama. Earth the Republican Party. Buy a clue while you still can. You will never win an election by simply telling people to vote against the other guy. If you're going to win, you have to offer something, and one of the things that can be offered is passion. Mitt Romney offers no passion or excitement. His best future might be as a keynote speaker for Insomniacs of America. Republicans were passionate about Michelle Bachman. They were passionate about Rick Perry. They were passionate about Herman Cain and are still passionate about his 999 plan. They were passionate about Newt Gingrich. Even Ron Paul had passionate followers. Mitt Romney just puts everyone to sleep. The only thing the Republican establishment seems to be able to say about Mitt Romney is that he's not Barack Obama and that he is not a conservative Tea Party candidate. If the Republican Party is to create a functioning majority, like Ronald Reagan did, it has to not only stand for something, but it must have ideas and candidates that create passion. When the highest-ranking elected Republican says voters are not going to fall in love with the presumptive nominee, that should be a red alert message to the Republican Party that they need to do something and do something quickly. For this election, failure is not an option. Barack Obama must be defeated. But even as John Boehner noted, Mitt Romney is not going to create the kind of passion that makes people go out and vote for him. The Republican Party needs to act quickly before Mitt Romney joins that long list of Republican failures that include Bob Dole and John McCain. And Jack Rank writes, Don't forget Gerald Ford in 1976 or George H.W. Bush in 1992. When he could no longer run on Reagan's coattails, simple fact that the elitist establishment within the Republican Party ignores, rhinos don't win. And Jason McRuer writes, You're right. And us young folks aren't impressed either. The Republican Party is losing its conservative base, no matter what age. Want evidence of what young conservatives think about Mitt? Look no further than quote-unquote young Americans for Mitt Romney on Facebook, which has a scant 300 members. Most of them older Republicans. And is run by Romney's own son. Young people are smart. Brackets. And have the advantage of the internet to educate us. And we aren't buying what the Republican elites are selling. Rhino? Hell no. And William M. Jackson adds... Don't forget, God is for us. Benjamin Franklin said, And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire can rise. Here we stand. In short, Obama the Magnificent, just like us, is subject to the laws of our spiritual nature. My greatest hope is that his arrogance bears fruit sooner than later. Ultimately, Obama has failed, and we must simply tell the country what the media will not tell. 
we must tell the young, you have a bleak future. And the elderly, you have no future at all with Obama. Let us all pray that we have the boldness to take in public the fight we have here today sharpened our sickles to engage. And Gene Swank adds, I don't believe we had an honest primary anywhere in this country. I believe the good old boys set up the voting results to be what they wanted, not what the people wanted. Now we either vote for Romney or let let Obummer destroy the country and run us into another revolution. And William M. Jackson replies, The candidates that you proposed failed to run because, brackets, GOP administration is a force to be reckoned with. They already selected your choice. Mitt Romney keep Obama, or get screwed, dipstick. Sarah Palin and Alan West are now engaged on a fight on two fronts. Look what they are doing to them. The Obama administration and the GOP. Whiskey, tango, foxtrot. And Katzy44 writes, I don't have to like a person to make him president. The essential point is that he will get the country back on the free enterprise track and stop all the horrendous spending. If you are turned on by passion and excitement, go to a movie. We need competence and effective leadership, all characteristics that Mitt has shown in the past. Past actions speak louder than words. So let's stop bellyaching that we don't love the guy. Just get him elected, and if he is effective, we'll have an easier time electing a more conservative the next time. By increments, we won't scare away the independents and more conservative Democrats who may switch. Remember the goal. Get Obama fired. And Nancy Viola Weaver writes, Good one! Let's keep our eye on the ball and get rid of Obama. Mitt Romney isn't, quote-unquote, Mr. Cool. And he might not put a thrill down your leg, but he is what a president should be. He's competent, patriotic, and experienced in leadership. You're right on target. So let's send Mr. Cool, with the smooth talk, back to the locker room where he belongs. And Janice Hall-Waddell writes, Mr. Cool's smooth talk is not so smooth without the teleprompter. Just keep breaking the teleprompter wherever he goes, and people will start to hear what he really thinks and believes. And David Chaney writes, Maybe this strategy is for Romney to put the voters to sleep for four years, and when they wake up, they'll have Romney care, another $4 trillion in federal debt, and a 6.9% unemployment rate, and the Federal Reserve still has interest rates near 0%. The Tea Party needs a plan B. And Deb in Texas writes, And there lies the problem. Which is the wrong there, but whatever. And there lies the problem. Which is why we lose. They think this guy is so bad that we will vote for anybody, which is why they keep pushing the lesser of two evils. How about get a real conservative who will stop all the nonsense once and for all so we can get back to the American way of doing things? Wait, okay. And Donald McFlippin writes, Deb in Texas, I am Donald in Texas. I had a dream last night, and this is the truth. I was thinking about that oft-used cliche that I have heard repeated ad nauseum for these last few months quote-unquote, the lesser of two evils. And I've read it over and over again. I will not vote for the lesser of two evils. Evil is evil is evil, etc. Anyways, the very first thing that came to my mind when I woke up this morning was, quote-unquote, if you won't vote for the lesser of two evils, why not vote for the more conservative of the two candidates? I'm going to put that in my cap and wear it like a feather. I have said this before. During the Republican primaries, Mitt Romney beat out two contenders in my mind. He beat out Huntsman, and he beat out Ron Paul. That was it. But we are where we are. And where are we? Mitt Romney is going to be the Republican candidate who will face off against the the most evil... Mitt Romney is going to be the Republican candidate who will face off against the most evil man who has ever deceived enough people to be elected POTUS. Ron Paul is not going to upset the apple cart, and I don't believe Sarah Palin will even try. Alan West? He is one of the best aces we have, and I certainly hope he'll be ready and willing in 2016. We're four months away from what I consider to be the most important election of my lifetime. 
if not in the history of this great nation, if not in the history of this great nation, that in the past God has so richly blessed. Now here's the thing. If Romney wins the upcoming election, then I believe that we will have another election in four more years. What does that mean? Okay. So do put the thing about the quote-unquote lesser of two evils to bed. Who is going to be the more conservative of the two candidates? Answer, can you honestly point to any political figure on earth today and say, quote-unquote, Barack H. Obama is more conservative than that man or woman? If so, name that individual, please. Otherwise, carry on. Semper Fi. And we'll move on to yet another Judson Phillips thread from July 13th, 2012, entitled, The Audacity of Hypocrisy. And it goes like this. The traditional news media is dead. They are no longer an adversarial press. They are part of the democratic machine, and many of their reports could be considered in-kind advertisements for the Obama regime's re-election efforts. Consider two instances. First, from the Washington Examiner. Stephanie Cutter, President Obama's spokeswoman, hit by Team Romney for making quote-unquote out-of-control charges that the GOP candidate is a liar, today stepped up her assault on Mitt Romney, charging that he's using a quote-unquote pattern of secrecy to hide critical details of his finances from the American voters. Far from backing off, Cutter doubled down in an email that raises questions about Romney's offshore bank accounts and whether he has been honest about detailing his time at Bain Capital. Quote-unquote, the more everyone finds out about Romney's finances, the more questions they have. Perhaps that's why he's hiding as much as he thinks he can get away with, she wrote. If there were a real press corps at the White House, someone would have called her out on that. Romney has a quote-unquote pattern of secrecy. Has she looked at her boss recently? Also from the Washington Examiner, White House Press Secretary Jay Carney derided a reporter today for asking whether President Obama would release his college records in the campaign to serve as an example of transparency. Quote-unquote, this is the Donald Trump question, said Carney, referring the reporter to the Obama campaign. Quote-unquote, this is preposterous, Carney continued. This is from the guy who insisted that the president wasn't born in the United States. Carney reiterated that Obama was an open book and had an extremely sound record of transparency. He is joking, right? Obama has never released any of his records, and what is stunning is the drive by media's reaction to it. Bill Clinton and Al Gore released their records. John Kerry set the modern standard for liberal candidates by promising but never releasing his military records. Now Obama simply ignores requests and demands that he release his records? The party of treason. Demands that Romney release every record ever created about him, down to his pediatric records. Yet we cannot know some simple things about Barack Obama. What was he doing in college? There are some discrepancies in what we think we know about his college days that his college records could resolve. Why not release them? What is Barack Obama hiding? Could it be the claim that he went to Occidental College on a scholarship received by Fordham students? Inquiring minds want to know. Obama does not want anyone to know, and the drive-by media does not want to do their jobs by investigating him. Does anyone doubt what their reaction would be if Romney said, quote-unquote, hell no, I'm not showing you my records? And... Ram K. Singh adds, Now that is the $8 trillion question. How come we have not seen his college transcript? Where is his passport on which he traveled to Indonesia and then to Pakistan? Who paid his bills to Occidental and to Colombia? Where is his transcript from Occidental and Colombia? He claims he did not opt for working on Wall Street. Who and where any company from Wall Street offered him a job? Some liberals claim how intelligent he is, but we still have not seen his transcript from Harvard? I believe it is time that all conservatives in this country boycott liberal media altogether. I have not turned a liberal channel in over two years, and I have never felt I miss anything. And James Stamoulias writes, There was Obama's trip to Pakistan with his Paki friends that no one will touch. Romney should say, I will show you my records when Obama unseals all his. And Deborah Jo Smith Beatty writes, 
We must acknowledge that Obama is not responsible for the current financial meltdown in America. It's 43's fault. Yeah, like hell it is. The only thing Obama and his band of thugs know how to do is bully and act like three-year-olds in a sandbox. Oh, and steal money from the American taxpayers. Hey, Obama, how about showing us your records and your bank statement? Seven exclamation points. And Richard Handwork writes, There was a trillion-dollar stimulus, which has not helped one iota. Oh, and his policy, which seems to be anti-capitalist, definite effects on the economy slash job market unemployment. Then there's Obamacare, same effect. And the housing fiasco, Barney Franks and Dodd, and Democratic policy. And Herman Glockler writes, Everything Obama has told us about his past is a lie. His seminal book, quote-unquote, Dreams from My Father, was not written by himself, but by Bill Ayers, is one epic lie after another. Even his paternity... Even his paternity is coming under scrutiny. His father is most likely George Marshall Davis, a communist activist under whose tutelage Obama was placed by his mother's request. Why? Even the INS in Hawaii had serious doubts about the marriage between Obama's mother, Stanley Ann Dunham, and Obama Sr. By the author of the recently released Obama biography by Maranis, several friends of Obama Sr. interviewed never knew about his marriage to Stanley Ann Dunham. Jerome Corsi slash Sheriff Joe Arpaio recently discovered written letters in the INS in Hawaii stated that so-called marriage was most likely a sham to prevent his deportation, which would have happened had he asked for permanent residency because of Obama senior philandering. He remained in Hawaii under his student visa. And Debbie Fraser Ben writes, My problem is, we know what these issues are, so what are we going to do about it? Every site I go to, every blog entry I see points out these facts. Brackets, as much as the left doesn't like it and turns to personal attacks to answer them. But I never see the next step. Yes, the LSM is biased. LSM equals lamestream media. Obama is not held to the same standards as anyone else. The left lies and are allowed to say anything. Brackets proven by Pelosi's latest outrageous comments about Romney. They are not asked for proof, facts, stats, nothing. I believe we have done enough discovery and it's time to move on to the trial. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is unbelievable. And William G. Morrow replies, Obama is not an American. Six exclamation points. Does it matter to anyone? It does to me. And Betts writes, It is time for the Republicans It is time for the Republicans counter such claims with ads that show Obozo has never released any of his records. How can the campaign managers for the Republican candidates be so stupid? Come on, fight a rat on your terms, and that is to obliterate them. And David D. Riker American writes, When will all you conservative people get a clue? The Obama na- <laughs> The Obama Nation is just plain too stupid to tell the truth. I wouldn't let the Obama Nation clean my cat's litter box without close supervision. The Obama Nation is a shyster lawyer of the worst kind. If he actually had to practice law, he'd probably be an ambulance chaser, flipping magnetic business cards on the doors of rescue vehicles to drum up a little business. And Lenny Red writes, All they have is smoke, brackets, lots of it, and mirrors. They've already claimed that the economic fiasco of the last three and a half years is somehow Romney's fault. How stupid can they get? Uh, oh, my God. And that is the last comment in that thread. Okay, I will find one more to read. And finally, we'll leave off with this fantastic post, which was just made just yesterday, again, by Judson Phillips. And it is entitled... Unfreaking believable. And he goes like this. Anyone remember the 9-11 conspirators? Yes, those guys. They are still alive and well-living in Guantanamo Bay. It's almost 11 years since they attacked America and killed thousands of our countrymen because they are Islamic nutjobs that believe they can get into paradise by killing infidels. So what does America do? 
The defendants object to having hearings in their case because certain scheduled hearing dates will fall during Ramadan. Now a judge has granted their request. Are you freaking kidding me? From The Blaze. A U.S. military judge agreed Monday to postpone the next court hearings at Guantanamo Bay Prison for five men charged in the September 11 attacks to avoid a conflict with the Muslim holy period of Ramadan. The judge issued a short order postponing the next pretrial hearings at the U.S. base in Cuba until August 22nd slash 26th at the request of all five defendants, said James Connell, a lawyer for one of the accused. The hearing had been scheduled to run from August 8th through 12th, which fall during the last 10 days of Ramadan, a period in which devout Muslims fast during the day and, and pray during the night. That would make it difficult for the accused to participate in their defense, said Connell, a lawyer for Ali Abd Al-Aziz Ali. Quote-unquote, it's very difficult to pay attention to sometimes intricate legal proceedings if you haven't had any sleep and you haven't had any food, Connell said. The judge, Army Colonel James Pohl, denied a defense request not to hold any future hearings in the case on Fridays, a day in which Muslims do not work, and his order does not mention what will happen in future hearings fall during the month of Ramadan. The judge did not explain his decision in the brief ruling. You know what? I don't care. These people are absolutely evil, and so is their ideology. Who the hell cares if they sleep? I don't. Who the hell cares if they get the correct diet? I don't screw them. I don't really care. Do you know what I do remember? Do you know what I remember from 9-11? There are three things I remember. I remember the images of planes hitting the towers. I remember the photos of the people in the towers choosing to jump rather than be burned to death. And I remember Muslims in the Middle East celebrating the attacks on America. During World War II, did we let German prisoners celebrate Hitler's birthday? Did we let Japanese prisoners celebrate their emperor? Hell no, we didn't. So why are we bending over backwards to accommodate this ideology of evil that killed thousands of Americans? Give these idiots a fair trial. It's long overdue. Then send them to the executioner's needle after that. These fools have all said they want to die for Allah. Good. Let's help them along. And Marianne Hart writes, The Muslims in New Jersey were also celebrating as they watched the towers from their side. And Richard Banco writes, The judge should be immediately disbarred or thrown in jail with them. What the fuck is wrong with us? Are we all... Are we stupid? We should all demand this guy be disbarred. And Nita Durham writes, why? Uh, why are we bending over backwards to accommodate the Muslims? It is insanity. We have lost all common sense. I have come to believe that it is the eternal fight of darkness and light, good and evil. God is the answer. And Stacy Addison writes, so who really is driving the car? Why do we consistently bow figuratively and literally to the enemy? Maybe because the enemy is sitting in D.C., and Kate Bow writes, Obama and Muslim Brotherhood are one and the same. They are working this together. And Thomas Engel writes, How about we demand a trial here in the U.S.? We storm the courthouse and hang them in the courtyard. It would send a clear message. And JPS writes, The Crusades into the Middle Eastern countries needs to be restarted where they left off about several centuries ago. I.e., kill off the murderous infidel killing Muslims before they kill us. Oops, that's not very PC, is it? Too bad. And John Garvin writes, I am dumbfounded by this. I have heard this before, and the ones at fault are ourselves. How the hell do we continue to allow this? Where to hell are our public servants? Brackets Congress? Why are they not outraged by all this pandering? On our behalf, they should be ranting and raving and demanding accountability and having heads roll. Brackets Pun. My question is, why are not the lib blogs upset with all this, and why do we always seem to only quote-unquote preach to the choir and not somehow to the quote-unquote lack of thinking useful idiots? They should be as outraged as we are. Are they? And Walter Kluska writes, they are outraged over Bain Capital. Of course, that is what is more important, as far as Obama is concerned. <laughs> and Ralph Hornsby adds, The judge is doing just what Obozo told him to do. And Larry V. Beeching writes, 
I thought his name was Bozo Obama. And George Rapasky writes, This is a Muslim administration in full bloom. I've almost divorced my country. What to hell did our ancestors endure all the struggles to start this country only to have human scum like these people defecate all over its traditions and laws as well? I'm madder than heck. And Robert H. Woodman writes, Judson, I'm surprised at you. The court is following the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RFRA, Pub L number 103-141, comma 107 stat 1488 and the religious land use and institutionalized persons act of 2000 RLUIPA pub L number 106-7 both of which control all federal courts including military courts brackets most people remember that city of Bournes versus Flores 521 US 507-1997 invalidated RFRA as applied to state and local governments, but forget that Bourne let RFRA stand as applied to the federal government. In addition, Cutter versus Wilkinson, 544-US-709-2005 upheld RLUIPA as applicable to state and local governments. The decision was perfectly in accord with RFRA and RLUIPA, brackets, assuming a conservative reading of the law, and had the judge decided otherwise, the decision would have been appealable and would have been likely overturned. You may not like the outcome, but the judge was following the law and Supreme Court precedent. And Linda Rund writes, Seems to me the RFA and all other acts passed by Congress needed to include the language that no foreign religion or foreign law or culture shall take precedence over U.S. law, period. I don't recall ever hearing of U.S. court or military case where Jew, German, Irish, Italian, Buddhist, etc. defendant demanded court compliance not interfere with their religious or cultural observance. This is Shiara infiltration. Same with Nidal, the Fort Hood shooter, refuses to shave his beard, therefore case again postponed. And Robert H. Woodman writes, Islam is no longer a quote-unquote foreign religion. It has been well entrenched in this country for over a hundred years. Moreover, the Constitution does not distinguish between quote-unquote native and quote-unquote foreign religions. Under the Constitution, all religions are respected and treated equally. In fact, if you define Islam as a quote-unquote foreign religion, then you should be aware that despite the fact that Christianity has been in this continent for over 400 years, it could still be considered a quote-unquote foreign religion since its founder was an itinerant rustic Jewish preacher and teacher who was located in the Middle East in the province of Judea, which was considered a backwards world province of the superpower of the day, the Roman Empire. And freedom rights. I guess I still believe that they should have an open... I guess I still believe they should have a fair and open trial. Found guilty, and only then do we send them to the executioner's needle, hang them, cover them in excrement, and drag them through the streets, and stuffing them full of pork products. I guess I'm old-fashioned like that. I don't move at the speed of that new fanciful in-tree net where proof of the truth is a pesky afterthought. And Ron Harder's adds, Let's make sure that their needle has been contaminated with pig's blood, and they know it. Ron. And Emilio Portelli adds, The needle is too god for them. Hanging is not an option, but a firing squad with bullets dipped in pig's blood is the correct way to eliminate them and deny them the right to meet their 72 virgins since they touched pig's blood. That would really send a message to all Muslims regardless of their place in society. And Betty Lou Butcher adds, Save a needle for that judge and their lawyer. They rather honor Muslim murderers and not all the good Americans who died because of them. Shame. And what is taking so long? We know they did it, but they know we are a country that has some people who think we should treat those discussing animals with kindness. Here's a known fact. Put your hands out and they will cut it off. Give them the same treatment and living quarters as the murderers would give us. They should have been dead by now. Sounds harsh. And anyone who thinks it is, leave. Go sit on your own Muslim pres front lawn. And Deborah, and Deborah Jo Smith Beattie writes, I find this interesting because Christians seem to have lost our rights under the devil Obama. And the final thing I'll read is by Jimmy Haidt, who writes, As long as this country is run by a Muslim, 
You should be afraid of what is to happen next. If you think I'm crazy, then you haven't a clue of how much they hate America and will do anything to destroy it. I can't imagine what it will take for all Americans to wake up to the fact that they hate us and Islam is not compatible with America and should not be allowed to get a foothold, brackets, which they already have in America. The devil himself has his back against the wall and the next six months are wide open to do whatever he wants to do. Who is going to stop him? Congress? LOL. And that means laugh out loud. They are too scared to even let him know he is not eligible and he has them shaking in their boots and for a good reason. Should he get reelected? God help America and America needs to bless God and pray. Well... Uh, I was expecting there to be more debate about different things in the Tea Party world, but instead it's pretty much a thousand percent straight Obama hate and uh, Mitt Romney apologizing. So what do you think about the Tea Party? It's pretty, um, pretty interesting, pretty myopic view of the world, you have to say. Uh, and also a general lack of understanding of how things work, seems like. Um, but for what it's worth, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of very passionate people in their cause. It's a pretty angry cause, if you ask me. And not to say that they don't have some points, some valid points here and there, but I think the um, piss and vinegar factor is uh, pretty high. Um, yeah, so, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> I, I, you know, I would be. I'm gonna have to look up to see if somebody stabs you with a needle that's been dipped in pig's blood, or sh- or you're, if you're shot with a bullet dipped in pig's blood, if that would really affect your chances of getting into uh, the afterlife with Muhammad and getting invited to Allah's after party. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm assuming the fire from the actual gunshot would dry out the bullet, so is it even dried out? It's just pig DNA that invalidates your entry. I think that's a an oversimplified view of it, of the whole halal, no pig meat, no pork thing. Of course, we all know that the reason they can't eat pork is because, uh, I believe maybe it was Muhammad, scared demons into, and they, they uh, fled into the bodies of pigs. And so all pigs suffer because of that. Well, I mean, pigs suffer in general because they're delicious, but that's why Muslims and Muslims can't eat pigs. It's all nonsense. <laughs> but um, anyhow, it's sort of disheartening. I do find it hilarious how many people... I mean, Obama has a great name for at making dumb names out of his name. Like Obama and Obongo and Obozo and all those things. Um, and, you know, the childish side of me is entertained that people, these, you know, adults refer to him as that. You know, I don't. people didn't... I mean, Clinton had his his nickname, Slick Willie and whatever. But that's because he was smooth talker. You know, Bush. What was Bush's nickname? And Bush in itself. <laughs> but uh, I think all his nicknames were, like, Monkey Boy. Was that one? I don't even remember. Doesn't matter. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was probably a little slow just because it's so one note because of the election coming up. But, uh, you know. It's always good to see what's happening on the other side. Um, again, you know, if you have a an equally outrageous, outraged Democrat site that you think I'm being unfair in, in only reading from conservative sites, you know, if you can find one where people are similarly on topic and over the top about Democratic causes, I will be happy to to read from those uh, 
Although I, t I find Democrats are quite uh, happy tearing apart each other's arguments as they are. But also conservatives tend to really also get into Democratic conversations and sort of troll as well. So it's all political nonsense. Anyway, um, yeah, anyway. So on to Lou Reed's news. So this is the first episode in like six weeks, which is probably the longest break I've taken from doing it. And um, I mentioned on the Facebook page that there has been sort of a health issue pop up in my family. And so the, the long and short of it is that um, about two months ago, my wife uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer and that kind of upset the apple cart. And, um, you know, just the, you know, from the prognosis to the actual diagnosis to the surgery and recovery has been sort of a, an all-encompassing part of my life. So that's that's basically why I haven't been focusing. And, you know, I know it's understandable, but uh, I wanted to do podcasting, but literally every time I sat down, cancer takes the wind out of your sails, like a major health emergency like that just uh, sucks, and um, it's a bummer. So, you know, I I, uh, I hope to keep uh, being able to focus that up and, and do more episodes. Um, my wife's going to be going through chemo through pretty much most of the fall so it, it may be difficult for me to keep a schedule but I will do my best to do so uh, and also try to have another live show sometime in the fall and again if um, you are doing some kind of um, live event that you want me to do I can do a half hour live version of, of my podcast I was thinking about that recently if you wanted me to do um, a live show in your town and as part of some other sort of festival or think it might fit into a festival that you know about. Please let me know. Send me an email at loureads at gmail.com. And um, I'll be, if it's in the, uh, on the East Coast, I can drive there. I'd be happy to drive over. Or if it's part of some sort of larger podcasting or comedy event, I can tailor a live show to that kind of thing. But yeah, anyway, so just trying to motivate myself really <laughs> to keep doing it. Um, uh, there's a chance I'll be in Seattle for packs at the end of August, early September, but that will be, I'll be working, but if you're going to be there, maybe we can meet up more on that as we get closer to that. Uh, what else? What else? Um, besides that, nothing else. Um, because the podcast has been so slow, I haven't really gotten a lot of, uh, new, a lot of new news for you besides the cancer thing. Um, there's still magnets. If people want magnets, let me know. Be sure to like Lou reads on Facebook. If this is your first episode or, or, you know, if you hate me, that's okay, too. <laughs> um, uh, what's a good thing there's not a hate button, because I'm sure there'll be plenty of those. And, you know, as always, please review the show on iTunes. And if there's anybody listening to the show on Stitcher or other networks, other podcast networks, or other through other means, like um, Podcaster or, you know, any, you know, weird android devices that you you know collect your podcast everywhere let me know i really don't know how people get this podcast i mean my stats that come through the hosting service are vague so you know it's always trying to get an, an idea of how people are listening and and where and why and um yeah that's about it all right well i'm gonna end this so i can edit it and get it out to you because it's been a long time and uh summer's flying by so all right well as always my name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for You. Tea Party Forum Nonsense, episode number two. All right, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Fucking construction. <laughs>